The longest episode of CSI Miami continues. Will we get fooled again by this Yankees team? They did win another series, but against one of the worst teams in baseball. Up next is a four-game set with another wild-card contender in the Mariners. Can the Yankees take three of four or even sweep? Dare we dream. The fantastic and entertaining New York Post columnist Ken Davidoff is here to discuss the latest in Yankee land. Join us, won't you, for a brand new edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Our pal Ken Davidoff from the Post will join us later in the pod. But first, Another series win for the Yankees. That's seven of eight. Seven of their last eight, I should say. And another series victory. This one over the lowly Baltimore Orioles. And uh, I, I think it's fool's gold. I mean, you want to be positive. You want to win series. And I I understand you have to play who's in front of you. Uh, but this, this should have been another series sweep. But for some odd reason, the Yankees offense uh, was a dud. In the first game of the series back on Monday when they got crushed 7-1 to one by a guy who entered the game in Jorge Lopez, Nelly, who had an over-8 ERA against the Yankees this season, and they fall flat on their faces. They get three hits in that game. It's just so confounding, and this is why you still, even though they absolutely pounded the Orioles in the past two games, uh, what they score, 23 runs, pounded out 27 hits. They look like, you know, what their offense is on paper that's what the translation from paper to field should be. And I understand it's baseball. You're not going to do that every night, especially against good pitching. But with this lineup and the and the power and the pop in it, you should be able to squeeze out some wins against good pitching. But what do you think about the Orioles just being fool's gold? I, I just don't want to get fooled again by this team as it heads it, uh, into a series against your former team, Seattle. Well, that's baseball, Susan. You, you know, that's uh, what it you. is. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's it, sweeps are very hard to get. Winning, you want to win series, and that's the ultimate goal, whether it's against a good team or a bad team. You know, you're supposed to beat the bad teams. They went in, they swept the Marlins. And I think there was a couple games that they probably – the Marlins handed to them on a platter. Uh, but And the Orioles are just as bad. The Orioles are a really bad team. They get intimidated very easily. They have a lot of good, a lot of young pitching that just doesn't have the experience. And, you know, sometimes guys just show up. You know, guys with ADRAs just show up sometimes. And it's like you scratch your head, like, how does that happen? And, you know, your offense makes them look like Cy Young. And it's just, uh, you know, that happened. To be able to go out and say, hey, they, they should have swept the Orioles. Well, maybe they should have, but it's awful hard to do that. So to win two out of three, it would have looked obviously worse if they lost two out of three. But they won two out of three, and that's all you can expect. And now you have a team that is right there in the wild card in the Seattle Mariners. And I was just looking at the pitching matchups. And, you know, the Yankees are not so sure in some of the games. You have the silhouette up there. But the Mariners have it lined up. I mean, they have four their four best stars. 
starters going against the Yankees. So obviously this is something that they wanted and they're excited about. And, you know, they were very intimidated when the Yankees went out to Seattle. They just didn't look like a playoff team to me. And maybe it'll be that way again when the Mariners come into New York. But, you know, they are playing decent baseball. You know, it's a shame that this COVID all of a sudden is starting to strike everyone and, and you lose two of your best pitchers and Cole and and Montgomery and maybe it gives Cole a little mind break in some sense I saw him in Miami and you know he takes things to heart and his last two starts weren't that great I mean it's something that you expect when an ace goes out there you expect him to go seven and he didn't do it and he wound up getting shelled both times Boston and then in Baltimore so you know that's something that shouldn't happen and he knows that and you know he it's not something that he's like oh well you know this stuff happens but you know he takes it for to heart and I'm sure this is a little mind break for him but overall they've played pretty Pretty well, and now we're going to see what they can do against you know some decent teams again, and then they'll get a break when they go to Kansas City, and then they hit Chicago, and I'm sure Chicago's got a bone to pick with them because they got swept in New York. Well, we're you know I wanted to hit you with you know a general overview first, but uh, and we're going to talk with this uh, point that I'm about to bring up with Kenny Davidoff later in the podcast, but I want I just want to get your thoughts on this really quick because I don't understand it. Now look, I'll give Brian Cashman and the Yankees credit where credit is due, bringing in Joey Gallo, bringing in uh, Anthony Rizzo. It gave the lineup balance. We're seeing a lot of success uh, with the balance that's now in the lineup. And Anthony Rizzo has an RBI in every game he's played in for the Yankees so far. He's got six. But something that just confuses and confounds me to no end is what they did late last night. And that's sending Greg Allen back to scranton Wilkesbury, who is hitting 270. Uh, his on-base is 417. He's slugging 432, and his OPS is 849, and that's over 100 points over the major league average this season. He's back in Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, and Jonathan Davis, who is on the interstate and picked up from the scrap heap of the Toronto Blue Jays, is on this team. Please, for the love of God and everything that's sacred in baseball, explain to me why a switch hitter with all those numbers in Greg Allen and the stolen bases, is back. Is it because he's proving these analytics people wrong with the steals? I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's well, who like was the guy that got from the Diamondbacks? World. Who was the guy that they got from the Diamondbacks all of a sudden is out for the rest of the year or whatever with a busted knee? Lo Castro. Lo Castro. Oh, Tim, Tim Lo Castro. Yeah, 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 yeah There's yeah. another guy. I mean, you're going to scratch your head and say, why? I mean, because he plays good defense and he can And run, where's Esteban you know? Floreal? Right. You know, and Greg Allen is back in scratch. I just yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, yeah. I really don't know how guys play today, especially if you're not an established player because, you know, you're seeing throughout baseball, this guy got DFA. This guy got sent down. We designated him for an assignment. I mean, it's just, I don't know how they do it. They come up, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a mental, even more so now because you have all these gurus and psychiatrists and psychologists and all this stuff on every team. And, and obviously players are much more sensitive now than they used to be. And, you know, I don't know how guys do it. Like, I don't know how Allen does it. I don't know how Florial, they got to be scratching their head and say, what do I got to do to stay here? Because they deserve to be here. Obviously, when these guys were on the COVID list, when you had Urshela, Urshela and also Judge on the list, they came up and they did a terrific job. And it's like they infused some of that young energy in a lineup that, you know, Yankee fans, and I think everyone was just wanting, couldn't wait to see. And they did that. And, Next thing you know, you go out and you get a 143 hitter and you're like, well, how in the hell do I stay up here? It's tough for those guys' psyche. I don't know how they do it, like I said. And sometimes, you know, I think not just sometimes, I think most of the time, analytics really destroy 
you know, whatever they see, and I know Boone had to say whatever he had to say as far as, oh, yeah, we saw this guy in Toronto, and, you know, this is a guy we really liked, and, you know, we needed depth. And I said, well, you had two guys you keep having the elevator with, and and Florial and Allen, leave those guys up. Let those guys play. I mean, you have some – they're excited about being here, and they're, they're all of a sudden they've been here for a few weeks, so obviously the players are getting used to them. If, I, if I'm a player on this team and I see somebody that we've got, and he's hitting 143, I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? I think analytics just mess things up in a lot of ways. They overread stuff, or they just say, oh, this guy projects to be – Excuse me. It was bound to happen sooner or later. Free the profanities. You see that analytics drives Jeff Nelson yes, to just, drop f bombs. It's like why? I mean, it's like you over. It's like overmanaging. Overmanaging. You know, you have a roster or you have a team, and you're overmanaging it. It's like you're overlooking. You're overmanaging with these stupid analytics. Projection is like uh, potential. That's terrible. Oh, this guy has great potential. That's a bad word. So is projection. It's what Joe Torrey told us a couple weeks ago on this very podcast. They're trying to make baseball perfect. It's not. It's imperfect. And it's overthinking. Can't you see what Greg Allen is? And I'll tell you right now, the analytics department is probably pissed because Greg Allen is up here making opposing pitchers' lives miserable by stealing bases, getting on base. I mean, this is what you need to do to stay up with the big club. This is what he did with the Indians. This is what the Indians, sorry, Guardians thought he would be when they had him on the team. And now he's busted his rear end down in Scranton. He's done what he had to do. He came up here and he's doing it at the major league level. And what's his reward? He gets sent back down to Scranton. For some punch and Judy hitter that they took off the damn Toronto Blue Jay scrap heap. Please, analytics department. And if you're listening to the damn podcast, you know what? Call me. Direct message me on Twitter because I need to know what the hell you're drinking or smoking because it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever no it doesn't you know a lot of things you, you know just with the stealing bases oh you're giving you know you have a chance to get an out you know the percentages are too he hasn't low been caught or, once by the way exactly now. and but and bunting and you know oh the percentage is too low and it doesn't really uh what does it say the i the averages or the percentage of scoring a run from second base really doesn't make sense to try to bunt that guy to second i, I don't i don't know it's just you know with teams that can't score runs and when your offense is flat you know drop a bunt down i mean make it make something happen you don't think you ever think about it puts pressure on other teams defenses you know when the greg allen steals a base you think if i'm a pitcher all of a sudden this guy's on second base i've got to be even more fine when i throw a pitch or i got to be in the zone a little bit more so maybe that hitter gets a little bit better pitch to hit instead of expanding the zone and the pitcher's nice and easy and relaxed and, and can do whatever he wants. I mean, uh, analytics doesn't say that. It, it, it doesn't give you that kind of uh, reading about what the pitcher's feeling on the mound or the defense is feeling. You know, it's just like, oh, we're giving an out away. So I know I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't, uh, you know, I, I know analytics is good in some ways, but I think it's way overused. I think teams, you know, use this and, and it's almost a crutch. And you just, and just like Tori and you just said, it's uh, it, it's an imperfect game, and there's no way you can make this game perfect. And I don't care what kind of computer and what kind of degree you have, you're not going to make players perfect, and you, it, it's just, just not going to happen. Well, look, I don't. I'll be completely honest, and I don't care if people hear this and say, "Well, obviously, you don't understand it if if you don't follow it or get into it." Yeah, I didn't get into all those equations when I was in college either. That's why I became a communications major. So I only have to take one year of math 
in college because I couldn't do math. And the thing about baseball that was so great was that I could sit there and not do math and play baseball. That was the great thing about baseball until this started to happen in my game. Now, look, I don't think it's completely poo like Nelly and his bullpen pals used to have out there in the late 90s, especially in the Baltimore bathroom. Go back and listen to the previous podcast. You'll know what I'm talking about. However, there has to be a marriage. It can't be two separate things. You have to bring them together. And Greg Allen back in Scranton is why this is not going to work. I don't see how Jonathan Davis makes you better or deeper when you already had a switch hitting speedster outfielder with the team. It doesn't make any sense. All right, I'm going to move on. I, I've sir, th- th- this is a Wendy's, sir. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> Deep press. Well, there's probably there's probably guys down there that we've, you know, the fans have never heard of that are in the minor leagues that are a much better player than Jonathan Davis. I mean, the thing of it is, is this is almost like, okay, the Yankees and Nelly, go wait, and think, sign Think Ellsberg. about them. Think about yeah. them down there in Scranton who are better than Jonathan yes. Davis, and they're yeah. not getting a sniff. Look what the Jays are. I mean, the Jays are a winning squad. I mean, they're, they're, they're somebody that the Yankees are going to have to watch out for. They're on the doorsteps of the Yankees, right on their heels. And you have a team that is that good and saying, okay, we're going to DFA this player. Obviously, he's not good enough to be on the Blue Jays team. Why is he good enough to be on the Yankees team? And he's ahead of you. It's just like uh, Ellsbury. When the Yankees go and sign, the Red Sox didn't want any part of this guy. And all of a sudden, the Yankees are seeing something. Hey, we want to freaking sign this guy. He was a wash. The Yankees, I mean, the Red Sox didn't want to bring him back for a reason. And all of a sudden, the Yankees go and try to sign and sign this guy to a huge deal. That How many games did he even play? Did he even play 100? I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it's it's just uh, it, it was ridiculous. You just don't, I, I don't get some sometimes the thought process of some clubs. Well, Ellsbury pretty much robbed the first national Yankee bank uh, over his contract, and so did Carl Pavano, for that matter. Well, who was uh, that? Uh, what about a Kei Gawa? Remember that guy? Who was? Oh, hey, well, wait. He had the most wins. I think he still has the most wins in AAA history for the Yankees. Yes. So I mean, he was that. living up. He signed this big, what, three or four year deal, and twenty nine million dollars, I believe. Yeah. yeah, living it up in the city, enjoying the NYC life, and you know, didn't care one bit about uh, going out on the mound and pitching in a big league stadium. He he was the king of Scranton. Uh, he had that one good start against the Red Sox wearing his sunglasses. And then after that, it was all downhill from there. You know, my co-host, Nelson Figueroa, is the all-time minor league strikeouts leader and never cracked a million. So he'd like to have a word with Kay Gow. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's move on because I've screamed enough about Greg Allen. I just, I feel, you know, I feel bad for the guy. And I, and I know that there's other Yankee fans who feel the same way I do, but you you got to feel for a guy who came up here, did everything that was asked of him, and then just gets shipped back to Scranton for some reason. Who the hell knows why? But anyway, uh, we're going to find out what, what this Yankee team is made of. Once again, they lose Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery to the COVID IL. Also joining them, not on the COVID IL, but on the IL is Domingo Herman. So that's three-fifths of the Yankee rotation out right now as they go up against, and don't forget about Gio Urshela, who's also on there with a hamstring. And that could be nagging for the rest of the season. Right now, in his stead at third base, you have Rugnet Odor, who, you know, I, I got to give Cashman credit for that pickup because he's been outstanding, especially over the past month and a half for this Yankees team. And now he's filling in for a shell at third base and he's doing a pretty good job over there. He's uh, not a third baseman. I, I he's mean, not. He, he has. He's it's not. a great pickup. You're absolutely right. 
He's and not. I think there's so, that's why I think. And Anthony you know, Rizzo, thank God he's at first base. Yes. And maybe, you know, I don't know what, uh, what was LeMahieu dealing with that he was out the whole Marlin series. And I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah. So that's probably why he's not over a third base or you probably put him over there. They want to shorten the throw. So, and, you know, this is something that you, uh, posed to our Kenny Davidoff from the New York Post to just stick around for that because we have Ken on in just a bit. But there's got to be something going on uh, with uh, LeMahieu Nelly that he's having these struggles because this is very un-DJ LeMahieu-like. And he is kind of that old school throwback player. And he probably doesn't want to come out of the lineup. And maybe that's why he's been struggling. But he was three for five in the last game against the Orioles. He's hitting extra base hits again, you know, five RBI. Uh, you would hope that continues because he is the engine, but there's got to be something going on. With him. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, he, he seems like the player, and I told Ken the same thing. He just seems like the player that, that would play through anything. He signs the big contract, so he feels like he owes it to the team, owes it to the fans, and he says, you know what, I'm going to take some heat for it, but I'm just going to try to ride this out and hopefully get better and, and to have things turn around. So he seems like that player. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Joey. Have you watched Joey Gallo at, at the plate and all the – all that whatever he's got going on, all the movement he has in the box. Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I just He's got the shaking of the booty. He, I mean, this guy's like all around. I mean, he can't stop moving. He does that in his post-game press conferences too. He might he might have some condition. I don't know. He does he kind of has like movements when just when he's, he's talking like doing the, the La Bamba in the batter's box well, every time. I mean, he's might... like all over the place. Like well, I don't la, know what la, it la, is. La, la, bamba. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't had quite the start to his Yankee career that Anthony Rizzo has, but he was slumping with the Rangers before he came over. So we'll see if Gallo could get it going here uh, with the Yankees. It wouldn't be bad, although the Yankees are gonna face three left. And that's where I wanted to go next with you, Nelly, against this Mariner team. They have Tyler Anderson, uh, Marco Gonzalez, and Yusei Kikuchi as the lefties. And Chris Flexen will be the lone righty. They're going to miss Logan Gilbert, who, uh, as we both know, uh, threw that combined one hitter uh, with Seawald and Graveman in Seattle before the All-Star break and before Seattle got rid of their closer and sent them to their rival, the Astros. And that's a conversation for another. Well, we had that conversation already. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees pick them up with Cole, Monty, and Herman all on the IL for different reasons. We'll see how they do in this series. They got Cortez going, the uh, always popular TBA on Friday, and then Heaney trying to bounce back on Saturday, and then Luis Heel for his follow-up to his absolutely electric start against the Orioles. So we're going to see what this team is made of. The offense is going to have to wake up. They're not going to be able to sleepwalk through the Seattle series, Nelly. For me, these are going to be either some high scoring games on both sides, or they're going to be some low scoring games, nail biters, one run games that are going to be won by either side. How do you see this four game series shaking out here for the Yankees? I think it's going to be close games because the Mariners really don't score a lot of runs. I mean, their run differential is minus 49. So that's a good, I think that's a real big positive for the Yankees. I'm a big run differential guy as far as those teams making the playoffs and you know, minus 49 at this cent, this stent uh, of the season is really hard to make up and turn around. Uh, they don't score a lot of runs. They pitch well, and they have a decent bullpen. I see it being low score. 
And, and I think that's what the Mariners want. They want a low-scoring team game, and hopefully their starters can get get six or seven innings and then get into the bullpen because their bullpen's pretty decent. Other than that, offensively, they're two, three, four run four run team at the most, and and that's about it. And you know, it, I think I see that's how it's going to go. And, and you know, some of these Yankee starters are going to have to step up and and you know get into the bullpen and the bullpen continue to pitch well. You know, and, and they they seem like they turned a corner a little bit as well over the last few games. Well, the A's are playing the Rangers. The Red Sox are at the Blue Jays. So the Yankees right now trail the Oakland A's by two games for that second wild card. And the Red Sox, I believe they're six games or five games, excuse me, behind Boston as we tape this. And the Red Sox are in Toronto. The Blue Jays are back in Canada. So uh, those are the other series that you have to keep your eye on over the weekend. And Shirney, we can't wrap this up without talking about the cat on the field, which was electric. I got invited to go Monday. I said, no, nah, I'm good. I went to 10 games, 11 days. I'm good on Yankees Orioles on a Monday night. Uh, I'd rather watch paint dry. Than, yeah, the, than the that, pe- but... well, paint dry was that game until the cat hit the field. I mean, you saw a dog of a game and then the cat eludes six or seven uh, grounds crew members of, on the Yankees. Well, they showed video of in Colorado when it happened and maybe it's different because it's Colorado but they had gloves they were prepared for this Yankee Stadium how do you try to grab a cat without a glove you're gonna get your fingers clawed off by this little kitty cat uh their approach was terrible yeah, do you remember the time, and it was in Seattle at the Kingdom where the groundskeeper tried grabbing the cat, and I think it was in the 80s, and all of a sudden he didn't have gloves, and he had this, the cat was like digging into his chest, and he was like, and he finally threw the cat off. I and, remember and, yeah, that, that was, yeah. That was a big highlight, yeah. Yeah, that was a big blooper reel uh, moment, but uh, the dog of a game was saved by the cat uh, basically breaking ankles, and I actually, I, I found out something rather interesting. I forget what show I was listening to might have been the Michael K show and he he brought up the fact that cat oh yeah it was Michael K actually and he said cats were actually brought into stadiums to kill the rats so this was actually a normal thing like back in the day like in the 50s and 60s and 70s they 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 would bring cats in to kill the mice and the rats so the cat was brought in by the Yankees this was like not someone's cat that got loose this was Well I don't know if that's the case here at the new Yankee Stadium but that's what Michael said was going on like back in the day How so. about the guy trying to get it with his hat he put his hat out he was pretty late I don't know <laughs> I, he I thought it was know. a bird what do you thought he was catching a ball? It's a cat, not a you baseball. Had, you had Susan Waldman doing play by play, uh, you know, that the cat is so scared and the poor a kitty cat is in George Steiner Brett's booth. A kitty uh, cat is in George Steinbrenner's booth. <laughs> God almighty. All right, I think that's a good place to end. Um <laughs> so the Yankees have the Mariners, the A's play the Rangers, the Red Sox play the Blue Jays. That's what's going on this weekend. And coming up straight ahead here on the Pinstripe Pod, our good friend, New York Post columnist, Ken Davidoff. Well, that's kitty cat, Susan. Joining us now, the fabulous columnist for the New York Post, Ken Davidoff. You could follow him on Twitter, at Ken Davidoff. Kenny, thank you so much for coming on. Let's just get right into it with this Yankee squad. You know, I I brought it up in the teaser to today's show. It's kind of like an extended version of an episode of CSI Miami with this team. You just never know when you're going to get fooled again. And now the rotation has taken a couple of hits. Can the Yankees sustain and stay in the hunt here, Ken, not only for the division, but for the wild card as we head down the stretch? Well, Chris, tonight is uh, game 108 for them. So that's the two-thirds mark, right? So that's a, a pretty nice sample. And if these Yankees have showed us anything, 
is that it's that yeah they can hang in there. I mean, they, you know, they obviously they've underachieved, uh, they've disappointed, but every time we counted them out after one of their countless gut punch losses, they have risen up from the mat and fought again. So yeah, if you're asking me, can they stay in the race? Yes, absolutely. I'd be surprised if they didn't stay in the race. What, what do you think more? You know, there's six, six games out of the division. The Red Sox seem to take a little bit of a hit after losing, what, five in a row, and the Rays have all of a sudden started winning again. Uh, do you think they're out of the East? You know, more so, hey, let's look towards the wild card. Obviously, they. I, I'm hoping they don't. They want to win the East. But do you think they have any shot because they still have to, you know, jump two teams? I, I think they do have a shot now. I mean, you, you mentioned the Red Sox. So this is a team that clearly overachieved, right? They were not planning uh, on winning the division. I mean, they're always, you know, that certainly was not the perception. And the way they operated at the trade deadline was a team that said, all right, we're, we're playing with some house money here and we're not going to put go all in this year, clearly. So I, it would not surprise if they fell back. The Rays are the Rays. You never count out the Rays. You never disrespect the Rays. But it, you know, it's worth noting 162 game season as opposed to a 60 game season like last year does expose uh, roster depth issues. So we'll see if they can finish this marathon. But yeah, for sure, the Yankees, and you can speak to this better than I can now, you just, just put your head down and keep winning, right? And and let the standings resolve themselves. All right, so with Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery both out of the rotation and on the COVID IL for the time being, we saw Luis Heal make his major league debut and the 23-year-old was electric. Uh, I talked to his manager down in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Doug Davis, on the batting practice show on the Yes Network. He was talking about his electric fastball and how his slider, his tight slider works nicely off of that. He's working on a changeup and that looked pretty good as well, although it's still a work in progress. We're going to see him again on Sunday. Kenny, you wrote a column on him too, and it was kind of an impossible situation for this kid. He gets the call up. He's so excited on social media and then he shows up at the stadium, finds out he's going to start and uh, he was pretty damn good, Ken. I'll tell you what, guys. Look, we can disrespect the Baltimore Orioles all we want there's a last place team a very bad team but but I don't care right I mean you as the home team he's pitching first he's stepping into that situation stepping in for Garrett Cole coming off a very bad loss to that same bad team the night before he pitched poorly in his last start at Scranton and to step in there and just to get it done in the, in the first inning and in the first, you know, the first few innings, it was close before the Yankees blew it open. I thought was very, very impressive. And uh, yeah, absolutely earns another star. And I'm very curious to see what he can do moving forward. The thing that impressed me the most, Ken, was him getting ahead and challenging these guys. He, it, it seemed like he was ahead of every batter in that game. And he was basically saying to the Orioles, Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Orioles after the game said, we knew we had to bring his fast fastball down in the zone but they were overly aggressive and he'll reap the benefits but getting ahead and challenging it was like old school uh starter mentality and that's the thing that impressed me the most about the for game. sure and this is a young man who experienced some control issues down in the minors you know if you look at the walk numbers they were they were concerning and and certainly not someone who you're like okay this guy has earned a ticket to the big leagues it looked like he needed some more work at triple a so absolutely if he can keep up that mentality i mean wouldn't that be something if, if the yankees had a a real starter here. Yeah, you know, I was at the game, Ken, and I, I, I was not too far off the field. So uh, that's what happens when you win four World Series, you get decent tickets. So I was able to... <laughs> no, I was able... No, I was down and I was able to see him. And, you know, he looked really, really good. And in his mound presence was really confident. You know, he uh, acted like he's been there before. And if that's the toughest part is, like you said, who cares what team he's facing? 
you're still facing big league players and you still have to get these guys out. And I thought he, you know, he hit his spots well with his fastball. He had a really decent slider and it was nice and tight and down on the way to the righties. He did climb the ladder a little bit with his four seamer. And I think he took everybody by surprise and it's going to be interesting to see him go forward. And this is what teams need. You know, you talk about you know, the Red Sox and how, okay, 162 games is, is when your depth gets exposed. And I think it's the other way as well is, is okay, 162 games is okay. Now your depth has to play a big part in you winning. And this is something that the Yankees need. They need some guys in the minor leagues to be able to come up and step up every once in a while, like he'll did on, on the other night on Tuesday night. I mean, that was an outstanding, uh, outstanding performance by a young kid. Yeah. And let, let's say this is, a, this is a team that has gotten ripped, especially this year for its lack of farm system depth, right? Which has been a, a big talking point, which I, I've thought was somewhat unfair because this is how it works. You know, you, you go through cycles. You stockpile youngsters. Some of those graduate. Some of those get traded. Some of them fail. And the Yankees uh, are on the other end of that curve where, all right, now this is what happens. Your, your farm system takes a hit. And, and most of the, the good guys are at the lower end. You know, you saw it happen with the Chicago Cubs, with the Houston Astros, and the same thing happened with the Yankees. The obvious be- difference being the Yankees didn't win a championship in this cycle. But now to produce heel and uh, the young man writings, who was very impressive as well, and even uh, the third young man, which the ninth hand, Croner, right? You know, very uh, impressive. And and let's see now if they can stick. Yeah, writings throwing a hundred miles an hour and just looking so fluid when he was doing it. That was ridiculous. How those three guys and two of them, writings and Heel, were a part of that combined no-no down in Scranton back on July twenty-first. So it was nice to see them both get up and get some work in at the major league level and have the success that they had. I want to move to the lineup if we could, Ken, and talk about Anthony Rizzo. I mean, this guy, he comes over from the Cubs. Uh, there's some weird, Nelly and I were talking about this with Jake before we started to uh, roll on this. And, you know, it was just to block the Red Sox from getting Rizzo, who needed some production out of their first base and needed a left-handed bat. Well, the Yankees needed a left-handed bat too. And he becomes the first Yankee in the team's franchise history Ken to have an RBI in the first six games you could read into that whatever you want but I mean he was tied with Joe DiMaggio with the first five games and now he's all alone by himself having an RBI in the first six games of his Yankees existence and I don't see how you take this guy out of the lineup and I don't know where that leaves Luke Voigt but I'd be curious as to know what your thoughts are on that yeah it's it's a crazy turn of turn of events right we're talking about Luke Voigt who led the major leagues in home runs last year And now he is uh, superfluous. You know, unfortunately for Voight, he's just too similar to other guys on this roster, right? Not his fault. He didn't make the roster. But when you get Rizzo, who swings lefty, can play the position, is not a three true outcomes guy, more of a, I wouldn't, closer to DJ LeMayhew in profile, not identical, and has been there and done that, has been through so much, it is not phased by parachuting into this situation that's a lot of boxes he's checking so for sure he has to keep this job I mean uh, and they they acquired him to play every day and they will worry about Luke Voigt when it's time to worry about Luke Voigt it's as simple as that no I know they 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 tried to move him but you know I I've seen Anthony Rizzo many a times just doing Marlin games and, you know, very familiar with the way he plays. I'm not surprised, actually, how he started out. I think he's one of the best first basemen in the league as far as all around. You see how he moves. You see on bunt plays, he's very instinctful as far as what to do with the ball. Uh, and I don't think the Yankees really had that. You know, you see you see throughout the infield, yes, they have some good fielders, Rochella, Mayhew. But as far as instinctful and being in the right spot, 
you know, he's always I've watched him with the Cubs. He's always been there. It seems like he's always in the right spot all the time. And he has I mean, the Yankee fans haven't even seen him break down on bunt plays, you know, and, and how he how he is right next to the pitcher. And he's not afraid to, you know, for somebody to swing away and, and you know, get the ball hit down his throat. But, you know, I, I actually, you know, am happy. I didn't know what kind of player Gallo, Gallo was going to be with the Yankees. I wasn't too familiar. I just about his strikeouts and he's all or nothing. And it seems to be that's the way he is now, all or nothing, typical with the Yankees. But I'm glad they got him. You know, I know I've heard some things that, hey, you know, they got him because they wanted to keep him away from the Red Sox. But they, this guy's turning out to be one of the best trade acquisitions maybe in a long time, maybe since my days. Yeah, I mean, you think of David Justice, right? That's that's the one. Yeah, that's exactly another guy who was just of, yeah. an absolutely perfect fit. And you know, I I, I thought the Rizzo, look, the Rizzo trade caught caught us by surprise, relatively speaking, right? I mean, we certainly knew it was in the realm of possibility the Cubs were tearing down, but the Yankees get Gallo, and you say, okay, well, that's their their big buy. That that's that's going to be the centerpiece. And then the the very next day, they complement that with Rizzo, and it really it takes the heat off Gallo. And you're right, no, he's a three true outcomes guy, and off to a rough start. I would anticipate he will help a little bit before uh, all is said and done. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine it was fully a block from the Red Sox. I mean, this is not, again, this is a guy you want on your team for the reasons we've discussed. And uh, the Red Sox, as, as we saw, were, were just not that aggressive in general. They got one guy, Kyle Schwarber, who's who's currently injured. Let's talk about DJ LeMahieu for a second, because he seems to be a point of contention with some uh, radio talkies lately. In his last nine at-bats, though, he has three extra base hits, five ribbies. In his previous 23 games, he had 86 at-bats, four extra base hits. So one more. I mean, he deserves some of the vitriol, but with the guys in this lineup up and down, and I know he's the engine that gets it started, Kenny, and he needs to take a little bit of the heat, but not necessarily all of the heat, especially when you have so much talent in and throughout this lineup. Well, I think he deserves a lot of the heat, not all of it, but, you know, I, I think he actually, uh, you know, again, we're talking blame and, and it's such an abstract concept, but I, I think he's actually skated a little bit, and I, I think that's because, you know, people just like watching him play better because he's not a through three true outcomes guy. But but when you talk about DJ's 2021 performance relative to his 2019 and 2020 performance, it is a drastic drop. I mean, he has really been terrible relative to how great he was the last two years that got him the big contract. So, uh, you know, the, the Yankees plan called for DJ to continue to be an all-star player and he has been well short of that now. As we said, we're at the two-thirds mark. There's still 33% of the season for him to look more like the old DJ. And, and uh, last night was certainly a, a step towards that. You've been around him. I've never, you know, obviously a lot more than I have in the, in the, in the locker room on, when you were able to get in the locker room and, and out on the field. To me, I, I think he's banged up. I, I think something's going on that's probably causing him not to have such a great year. And he's trying to play through it. To me, he's he seems to be like an old school player back when you know maybe 10 15 years ago when guys did play through injuries you're like no I you know I I know I'm I'm gonna take some heat from the media probably from the fans but I need to be out on the field I'm not going to sit there and go on the IL uh, over a hangnail or a little tweak here or there and he seems to me to be that kind of player so I think something's going on I you know for him to have that drastic of a drop-off from the last two years uh, it, it seems like something's going on with him and he's just playing through it and he's like okay I you know I need to be in the lineup everybody's counting on me to be in the lineup I think he's one of those guys that okay I signed this contract and I signed it for the Yankee fans and the Yankees and no matter how I do I'm just gonna have to play through it I'm just gonna have to suck it up yeah that's very 
viable theory, Nelly. I, you know, I, I don't have any info to substantiate or refute that, but it, it certainly it would explain what's going on with him this year. And you're right. I mean, uh, I mean, DJ barely speaks English. He's so quiet. You know, he uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just a really, really soft-spoken guy. Uh, and you know, that, that's why the guys love him. You know, he speaks softly and carries a big stick. So that would certainly explain what's going on this year. And uh, a better explanation for the Yankees' perspective than, oh, he just can't hit anymore. Kenny, before we let you go, let me get your thoughts on this uh, four-game series coming up with the Mariners as we tape this year on the Thursday, the night that this uh, series is going to kick off. What do the Yankees need to do against another one of these wild-card contenders in this four-game series? I know it's only game 108, as you mentioned earlier, but how big is this series, and what do the Yankees need to do? They have to definitely take three or four, do they not? Yeah, they will have Cherney, I, you know, if we really nail, you know, if we really drill down on it, right, they could probably get swept and and still live this fight another day. Yeah, yeah, right. True. I mean, it's not it's not uh, October first. I but... don't, I don't know, I don't know if Twitter would survive that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at how they've played, really, the turning point was that July fourth doubleheader, right? Because they blew the first game, uh, with Chat, which I thought was Boone's worst game of the season, managerially speaking. Uh, then they come back to win the second game. Since then, they've played very well and at least half of the losses since then uh have been bullpen meltdowns right so if, if you're talking about what needs to happen this weekend for them to move forward uh in, in a good place i would say it's to protect the leads they're probably going to build your honor i'd like to strike that question and rephrase it <laughs> what do the yankees have to do to keep the fans from uh <laughs> Kind of meltdown. <laughs> yeah. What do the Yankees have to do this weekend <laughs> to prevent a Basically, meltdown? Basically, what, what do the Yankees have to do to keep Shearney from melting down? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nelly. Thank you for, for stripping down to the essence of the matter. Yes. All right. Your, your honor, I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. I, look, they want to keep moving forward, right? Three or four certainly would move. They're, they're feeling really good about themselves right now. And, and obviously, three or four would, would continue that. Hey, Ken, one more for me, and I, I I can't wrap my head around this move that they made, and then he pitched the first game and got beat up against the Orioles. What was the reasoning for Haney, uh, the trade for him? Yeah, Haney, look, that's that's an analytics-driven move. I mean, if you look at it, strikeouts and walks, and uh, has FIP, well, I, I don't know if you'd speak that language, Nelly, but, you know, FIP <laughs> is basically, you know, what, what his ERA would be if you just looked at walks, strikeouts, and home runs. And his FIP was much lower than his ERA. So that's a guy who you say, okay, this guy should be pitching better than he is. Of course, you bring a fly ball pitcher in the Yankee Stadium, and uh, you know that, that might not work out very well. Well, I don't know about the FIP. I, it will look more like an FLOP. <laughs> wow. People are going to think we scripted that now. That was pretty good. The FIP or the FLOP. I don't know what one. That's the one I followed. It's one I can't wrap my head around. And that's Greg Allen being sent back to Scranton Wilkes-Barre. He's a switch hitter. He's fast. He causes havoc on the bases. And they bring in this guy. I believe his name is Jonathan Davis, who who is from the Blue Jays, who's a punch and Judy hitter. I don't know what kind of defender he is, but this move, and having Brian Cashman say that Brett Gardner is their best option in center field, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I know you just brought up the analytics with Heaney. It's got to be something driven by the analytics department because the eye test to me says Greg Allen, who's a switch hitter, is fast, should be your center fielder. 
please help make sense this, of this to me. I, and I agree with you. I, I, I was very surprised. At the, and forget about the eye test. His statistics are excellent. That uh, too. Yeah. So, God uh, almighty. Yes. That, that should be your first thing, not the eye test, with all due respect. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the one thing that stands out to me is just roster maneuverability. If you want to, you know, Allen has, you know, he was able to, re- able to be returned uh, because of the COVID roster rules, return without exposing him to other teams. They still have him down there. Whereas Davis, they just got, he could not be jettisoned so easily. Brett Gardner, short of either uh, releasing him or a phony injury, would not, you know, be able to be let go uh, as such. I would strongly recommend the phony injury to, uh, resolve that one but that's my one uh conjecture as to why they did that but i but i agree with you that that was a doesn't make any sense a guy who really brought a lot to the party kenny you always bring a lot to the party and we appreciate and we no seriously we appreciate the time as always ken davidoff you could follow him on twitter at ken davidoff and you could read his stuff in the paper in the new york post and online at nypost.com thank you brother we appreciate it have a great day guys That says goodnight to episode 75, the Reggie Willits edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Do us a solid. Go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a positive review, if you will. We appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back Monday following the Yankees four-game series with the Mariners. Enjoy the games and your weekend, and as always, thanks so much for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.